All right. I'm so glad you guys are here. If you would, if you would like, go ahead and turn your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings is in the Old Testament. I think it's right after 1 and 2 Samuel. But it's, it's right in there somewhere. Yeah, right after 1 and 2 Samuel. Be Joshua, Judges, 1 and 2 Samuel, then Kings. But, uh, man, we have, a, we have a baptism in the 11 o'clock service. I'm excited. I, I came up here last night. It's dangerous for me to come up here for 45 minutes to an hour and with nothing to do. My mind wanders and I dream of things. I'll give you one of my ideas and some of them are coming later. But I'm thinking if we had like a dozen Roombas. <laughs> we could help the cleaning team out. You could just go off and, and they could clean this sanctuary just and all back in there. What, what do y'all think about that? All my ideas aren't dumb. But I got some more I'm going to be sharing with you. I'm excited. It's a, you know, ain't the Lord good? I mean, he, he, just, he just good. We're in a part four, if you guys haven't been here before, of a series of how God turns up setbacks into comebacks and guys what i've come to this week is there is power in the word of god there is power in it and uh and, and i thought back of my walk through through this christian walk and still walking and i've leaned on these promises for a long time and uh, i've discovered that these promises in god's word can take anything that the world throws at them they can take they can take anything and, and I, I thought last night that God has, has never failed me. And that one of these things that I want, to, I want you to really get uh, in this series, especially today, is that, that God is in control. Even when it doesn't look like it, I want you to know that God is in control. I pray that you know and trust more that God is with you, that you're never alone. And really, I want you to know this, that God is for you. God is for you. He's got your back. You know, I grew up kind of thinking uh, that uh, you're not supposed to cry. You know, men don't cry. They don't show emotions. And, 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 and you're not supposed to know how you're feeling. But, you know, I discovered something about Jesus in the last few years. And this changed me. You and I get to come as we are. We get to come as we are. Not how we wish we were. But we get to come as we are. We can come with our questions. We can come with our angers. We can come with our, our brokenness. We can come with, with our doubts and our, and our addictions. We get to come as we are. And I wondered back in Miss Sloman's class in, at Prospect Baptist Church, one of the first scriptures that I remember learning uh, in, in there in, in RAs was the 23rd Psalm. I want to read that to you. It's kind of neat. You, you don't have to go to it. I, the, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths. Bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid for you're close to me. 
Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast uh, for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Now, the, 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 the translation that I learned as a kid was walking through the valley of the shadow of death. And I knew these words, but I didn't understand the truth. That even, the truth is this, even though you walk to the valley of the shadow of death, Christ is with us. For there to be a shadow, there has to be light. I didn't understand that truth. There has to be, has to be light. Guys, you and I are never alone. Whatever dark valley we walk through, we are never alone. And also, I didn't understand this incredible first, first truth, if you're taking notes. And number one is this. God is in control no matter how things appear. No matter how things appear. I tell you, I've been in some, some horrible circumstances, just like you have, some bad situations. And, and as I thought about this and I was honest with myself, I'm really glad my prayer during those times wasn't answered the way I wanted it to be answered. And some of you probably are too. Because I prayed this prayer before. I, I wrote it down and, and it hurt me to write it down. God, if you have one ounce of mercy for me, Lord, take me home. I just can't do this anymore. And you know what? I think most of us have prayed that prayer. I think most of us has found ourselves in situations where we just say, I can't do it anymore. Just, just take me home, Lord. Take me right now. I want you to know if you're walking through a difficult situation right now, maybe it's even a, diff, a difficult childhood that you can't just, just shake, and, and you're asking, you know, you know, how can God be in control when life seems so out of control? You may be right there in this place this uh, morning. And you're saying, Lord, I want to believe you're in control, but my life is a mess. My life, as, as I'm walking through it right now, is a mess. I want to tell you something. For somebody that's, that's lived this, you can be well known. And be lonely. You can be well known. And be lonely. And what I found out is. I believe every one of us. Wants to be. Fully. Known. But we also want to be. Fully. Loved. And we know. And, and we have some feeling. And we know. That if you knew. The real me. I'm talking about the parts that I hide from people that you wouldn't love me. You wouldn't love me. Every one of us, whether you admit it or not, have a desperate need to be loved. So we trade away being known. God, please take me. I can't do this. 
I learned a verse later on that I grew to love, and I, and I quote it uh, quite often. Psalm 27, 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? I love that. The Lord is a stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? The truth is, at one time, I was afraid of, of everybody and, and everything. I felt alone. But here's what else I've discovered. My feelings aren't new. Every emotion that I've had, somebody has been there before. I, I'm not alone. I've discovered that I wasn't the first person to pray that prayer. God, take me home. God, take me home. Take my life. I wasn't the first one. There's a guy in the Old Testament named Elijah. That's what we're going to be talking about today. Him in 1 Kings 19. He had seen God do some uh, amazing things. Especially over in chapter 18. But the next day. He seen God do all these amazing things. And the next day he wanted to die. Let me just read 1 and 2. It's in your outline. When Ahab got home, he told Jezebel everything. Ahab is and Jezebel, the king, queen of Israel. He told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, including the way he had killed all the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. May the God strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you killed them. Now let me give you some, some background here. Israel is in the worst place that it had ever been. This Ahab guy and Jezebel was the king and queen of, of Israel. And they now worship Baal. And, and a pagan god. They've decided that they didn't want anything else to do with, with the God of heavens. The one true God. So they're worshiping these false gods. And they have all these prophets. And I'm going to tell you something. God was angry at them. But there's this one guy, he's still standing for God. His name's Elijah. You know, and, and God speaks to Elijah. And he tells him to tell Ahab, and says, look, uh, until I say so, there'll be no rain in Israel. And so we're coming up on this point now. We're in the third year of, of no rain. You know what Ahab does? He puts out a contract on Elijah's life, a hit contract. But Elijah believed that God was bigger than any false prophet. And Elijah challenges the false prophets to a duel, so to speak. I mean, there's a bunch of them. There's one man, Elijah. But he wanted to show King Ahab a, a, a show of power. And he invited all the, the people of Israel to come watch it. One man against 400 prophets of Baal and 450 Prophets of Asherah, one man of God, one man of God on a mountain. Elijah stood alone with God, and he rendered all the false prophets, murdered, killed all the false prophets of God. They had to be slaughtered. This was an enormous victory. Elijah had stepped out on faith, and God showed up, and the people fell to their knees and, and worshiped God. And you got to believe when you're reading this that this is a great beginning of, of, a, of, a, of a big revival. Everyone and everything 
Let me say this. Everything makes sense to Elijah. But in some way, even Elijah has God in a box. You know what I'm talking about. Well, if I do this, then God will do that. You ever put him in a box like that? Well, if I do this, then, then, then God will do that. I'm going to tell you something. God will never live in a box. He will never live in a box. Now, for Elijah, something was about to happen that's going to shake the very core belief of God is in control. Because he gets this message from, from Jezebel. Remember what I just read? You're dead tomorrow. Elijah, you're dead tomorrow. And guess what? It makes no sense to him. All those miracles. All those miracles. You, you know, the, the prophets were, were wiped out. All those miracles about fire and water and, 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 and all of this stuff. All the people falling on their knees. Elijah's probably thinking, how come Ahab and Jezebel didn't fall on their knees? Or if he got my way of thinking, how come the people of Israel haven't revolted on them? And went and got them out of there. How come that hasn't happened? They saw. I did this and God didn't do that. But instead, nobody seemed to care. What had happened? They all just went home. They just went home. Then he gets this message from Jezebel. I'm going to kill you. You ever had a moment like that in your Christian life? Where you think I did this and I did that and God didn't do anything. You see, in the beginning, even I at 11 years old, when I was first saved, I thought I understood how all this worked. If you do certain things, then God will do certain things. Then you hit this moment where you, where you do something and God doesn't show up like you expected. Everything changes and it shakes your belief that God is in control. It's hard when you feel like God is not listening. It's hard when you feel like God is, has let you down. Sometimes you feel like a failure. Or even worse, being honest here, it's harder when you feel like God has failed you. It's hard. First Kings 19, 3 and 4 says, Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. Then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord. Take my life. I am not better than my ancestors who have already died. He's within 24 hours of seeing God's miracles. And he's so afraid. He says, God, take my life. I'm done. I'm out of the ministry. That's basically what he's saying. I'm out of the ministry because it doesn't make sense to me anymore. I'm out of the ministry because I'm too flawed. I'm out of the ministry. I can no longer speak to you because I'm broken. 
But what I've discovered is this. I've discovered what God will do with a broken life. If you give him all the pieces, is a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. When you give him all these broken pieces, it's absolutely beautiful. Amen? Number two, God is with you. God is with you when you can't see his plan. God is with you even when you can't see his plan. I'm going to tell you something. God responds when we say, I'm done. He responds when we said, look what he responded in five and six. Then Elijah, he lay down and slept under the broom tree. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, get up and eat. He looked around and there beside his head was some bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. Isn't that amazing? I think it's just uh, uh, amazing. Elijah. Elijah shows up. After the miracles, Jezebel threatens him. He's done with ministry. But the angel touches him. What I find interesting is this. The angel didn't say, Elijah, what's wrong with you? Elijah, what are you doing hiding under a tree? He didn't say, Elijah, you're a failure. No, the angel of God didn't say that. He didn't say, what kind of prophet are you to defeat 850 and one woman says, I'm going to kill you and you go hide. Nope. You know what the angel does? Fixes him dinner. The angel fixes a uh, dinner and he, and he touches him. He just touches him. He makes him a home cooked meal. And then Elijah, what he do? He ate, he drank, and he napped. My hero. <laughs> this is the story of my life. He ate, he drank, and he napped. How does God respond when we've given up? Look at the verse 7, top of your back page. Then the angel of the Lord came again. This is after he napped. And touched him and said, get up and do what? He said, I love this angel. Get up and eat some more, or the journey ahead will be too much for you. The angel gave him a touch, made him a meal, gave him some rest. Guys, I want to tell you, because of what we believed in the beginning, we're a little hard on ourselves. Sometimes we're too hard on ourselves. If you feel like a failure, you'll never do it again. You'll never do it again. You'll never do this again or that again. You feel overwhelmed. You feel condemned. I want you to remember, guys, God has mercy on us. He understands that, that we're, we're humans. You know, the concept of grace is unique to Christianity. You see, we don't believe in karma like most. Some of you do. I see your post on Facebook. 
That's not true, though. It's, it's, it's just not true. We believe in God. We believe in grace. You know what grace is? We get what we don't deserve. That's what grace is. We get what we do not deserve. That's the kind of God we serve. That tickles me. God is love, and he stoops down to find us and to welcome us home. He is love. You may feel lost this morning. You may feel like a failure. You may feel like you're just kind of wandering around. I'm going to tell you what I found out. The shepherd knows where to find you. The shepherd knows where to find you. He knows where you are. And here's what I love about our Jesus, my Jesus, is that there's, there's no hole too deep. There's, there's no night too dark. There's no place so far away that the shepherd can't find you and reach in and pull you out of that place. It's never been about getting it right. It's all about Christ who made us right. It is finished. The bill is paid in full. Oh, man, that's exciting. Let me take you to one more mountain. I'm closing. Luke 9. About eight days later, Jesus took Peter, John, and James up on a mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face was transformed. And his clothes became dazzling white. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared and began talking with Jesus. They were glorious to see. And they were speaking about his exodus from the world, which was about to be fulfilled in Jerusalem. After the angel had gone back to Elijah, had fed Elijah and let him rest, Elijah headed to Mount Sinai. Moses met with God there on Mount Sinai. God talks to Elijah and asks him, what are you doing here? What are you, what are you doing here? Now, here's what else I've discovered about God. is, is when God asks a question, he knows the answer. He wants us to look at the question. The question is, what are you doing here? What are, you, what are you doing here? I want to read verse 10. I didn't put it in your outline. 10 through 13. Here was Elijah's reply. He said, I've been, been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only am left. And they seek my life to take it away. And he said, go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke into pieces the rock before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak 
And he went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here? He went on to finish that verse. I love that part. Elijah said, I'm the only one. I'm the only one, God. To finish up that chapter, God says, there's 7,000 people. There's 7,000 more people. You don't know that, Elijah. You don't know it. But there's 7,000 more people who have not bent, bowed their knees to these false gods. There's more people. You think you're the only one. You see, lots of times when we're in our circumstances, we know the master. But we don't always know the master's plan. We think we're the only one. God is in control no matter how it seems. You're not the only one. God is in control. And I love it because finally Moses and Elijah... They come face to, I love this verse because finally they get to come face to face with Christ the rock who has always been their shelter. That's what happened. That's why they were so glad, so happy. They finally came face to face with Christ who had always been their shelter. But here's what I know. Because I've been in your shoes. I've been hard on myself. Sometimes we deserve, we feel the wind. Sometimes we feel like we deserve the fire. Sometimes because of our sins, we feel like we deserve the earthquakes of, of, of God's judgment. But I want to tell you something. If you feel that way, Jesus took that all on himself so that we could hear that grace-filled whisper. I love you. I love you. Let me tell you something. You got to lean in to hear a whisper. You got to get close. When I would take the kids somewhere when they were little, and I could tell they were frustrated, something was going on, whatever they were doing, I could sense it. I used to kind of hold them close and I'd whisper. They knew that they, they knew that they were going to hear something good when I did that. I'd say, I love you. I'd say, you don't have to do anything for me to love you. I'd say, I'm right here. I'll, I'll never leave you. You don't have to be afraid. See, when you lean in close, you don't have to be afraid of what, what God might say. Because when you lean in close, and my kids knew that when they leaned in close to me, they wouldn't hear a voice of condemnation. When you lean in close to God, you will not hear condemnation. That is not scriptural. You will hear, I love you. I love you. Some of you guys may be here. You're at, the, you're at the end of your rope. 
you can almost hear the people shoveling the dirt on top of your casket. I want to tell you, number three, you can write this in. God is for you. God is for you. And Jesus is reaching down to, to pull you up. I want to tell you, when you think it's all over, with God, it's just the beginning. You might think it's all over, that your, that your ministry is done. That's a lie. Fear is a liar. When you give that broken pieces of your life over to God, it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. I know I don't look like much, but I gave him everything. The brokenness, and now I'm a beautiful thing. You can be beautiful. It's not over with you. Whatever's happened with you, it's not over. It's just the beginning. It's just the beginning. So lean in close. He says, I love you. I love you. The winds are not going to knock you down. God wasn't in the earthquake. He wasn't in the fire. He was in that encouraging whisper. That soft voice. You're not a failure. I'm right here. I cast a shadow in the valley of death. Would you pray with me? My Lord. My Lord, there's, there's so many people here that they've prayed that prayer. They may have prayed that prayer this morning that they feel their life is over. That's so much bull. It's, it's not over. It's just the beginning. When we give those broken pieces to you, it becomes a beautiful thing. I pray that they, they don't dwell on that, that brokenness. Lord, you died for that. You shed your blood for that. And that you're for us. You're not against us. I pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. If you would like to